it's the next level. Do you ever fantasize about being killed? Do you ever wonder about all the different ways of dying? You know, violently. I wonder, like, what would be the most horrible way to die? Well, hello, Mr. Fancy. The following movie contains material that may not be suitable for all viewers. Your discretion is advised. Hello, lurkers. Let's play a game. What's your favorite scary movie? What's your name? Don't hang up on me or I'll gut you like a fish. I need to know your name so I know who I'm looking at. Tell me, lurkers, what's your least favorite podcast? That's right, you know what it is. From the Next Level Network of Podcasts at Studio Zero. Hosted by that shitty, scary personality. Welcome back, Sydney, to What Lurks Behind Podcast Zero. And I am your host... Postmortem Paul. And yes, finally, it is here, episode 71. I know there was a bit of a delay. It was supposed to be last week, and I kind of farked that one up. So, it's here now. And uh, this was another episode chosen by you, the listener, or just people who follow the Facebook page. I don't know how many people actually listen to the podcast and it's all good. I mean, there's a lot of interaction on the Facebook page, so that's what matters. But, uh, yeah, so what was it? Jeez, it seems like it was a millennium ago. I did a uh, choose your own hell poll, and I put the two uh, slashers from the 90s. I know what you did last summer versus Scream. And, of course, the winner was dun, 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 Wes Craven's 1996 smash hit Scream. But, um, getting to that in just a moment. So, okay, so originally when I was doing this, um, because last week I was just, oh, fuck, I was off my game. It was, it was bad. I was trying to edit and just, I screwed a lot of things up. So I was like, you know what, just trash that and, uh, we'll do it again the next week. So, when I originally did this, um, I was just going to be talking about the two Stephen King uh, TV series, The Outsider and uh, Castle Rock, because I have watched both of them now, and uh, Outsider was amazing. Holy shit, that was good. Uh, really good series. Absolutely loved Ben Mendelsohn in that one, and I, I mentioned that only because he's not really a, a favorite actor of mine. I did like him in Ready Player One, but 
aside from that, well, even in that, in Ready Player One, I thought he was a bit of a heel, but he's supposed to be, right? But um, I never really cared much for him. And then I watched this, and I was like, oh, shit, like, the boy can act. So I was really impressed. And I didn't write it down, but the actress who played Holly Gibney was perfect. She was fucking amazing. Um, and then after that, I decided to go back and watch Castle Rock Season 2 because I hadn't watched it yet. And holy shit, that was great too. Like, as a matter of fact, I think I liked it a little bit more than I did The Outsider. And I love The Outsider. I thought that was great. But Lizzie Kaplan was fucking, oh, just amazing as Annie Wilkes. I was really, really impressed. As a matter of fact, like, don't get me wrong. I love, I, I like, I like the movie Misery, but it's not, it's not like my absolute favorite Stephen King movie. And after seeing castle rock season two i was like i want to watch misery now <laughs> so it was pretty cool um and since then uh there has been announcements that jj abrams and stephen king are putting together another show um hbo series as well uh called overlook which is going to be about the overlook hotel uh, obviously from you know the shining and whatnot uh, there's not much news on it though, so I don't know. I'm assuming it's a prequel. It might not be. I don't know. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Stephen King, when it done in like TV series format, works really well. Um, I say less of the movies, more of the TV series. I, I actually really love what we're seeing, and it's going to be an H, like Overlook is going to be an HBO uh, series. So, you know, basically, there's no boundaries. We've seen that with lots of shows from HBO. So, I mean, uh, with no restrictions and being able to tell a full story and whatnot, I, I'm looking forward to this. I think it's going to be great. Um, now, on to what I don't have written down on here, because my notes are from, you know, a week and a half ago, whatever. Uh, this past weekend... The last drive-in returned. Joe Bob, Darcy, with a few special guests. And so I'm going to put this out there now for Canadian listeners. Because I was one of them. My arms, I, I was up in arms this weekend. So the live event happened. And here in Canada, we got both movies. I was like, yeah, all right. It was a chopping mall. And holy shit, blood-sucking freaks, which I had never seen and now I can check that one off. <laughs> but anyways, um, so the thing was, though, is like, and everybody knows, the following day, the movies are put on demand. Well, except if you live in Canada. Because all of a sudden, the first movie, Chopping Mall, was missing. Which didn't make any sense, because the movie, Chopping Mall, is offered through Shudder. And it was like, what the fuck just happened? Um... I can say, as of Monday morning, uh, I went and checked. The movie is there now. Uh, the full weekend of episodes is available on demand in Canada, so that's definite plus. Uh, I was trying to get a hold of Shutter on the weekend, no success. But uh, honestly, I 
I take away all complaints because it's there and I've checked it and I can watch it and I'm very happy. So if you are a Canadian viewer of The Last Drive-In, yes, Chopping Mall and Bloodsucking Freaks are both there. Um, as for my opinions on the first weekend, holy shit, that was fun. <laughs> that was a really awesome weekend of movies. And Joe Bob, as usual, was on point. Darcy was on point. Um, and then you had the special guests, which during Chopping Mall, it was Kelly Maroney, which that was really awesome. She's very insightful and very sweet and very endearing or endearing or charming or whatever great adjectives you can throw out there. She was that. Um, the second movie, though, uh, the special co-host was Chris Jericho from AEW Wrestling. And so we come to find out during the, uh, the presentation of Bloodsucking Freaks that this was a movie he picked. Um, it's one of his favorites. He tells the story how it came about, you know, discovering the movie and whatnot. And I, I'll be honest with you. I had seen it. it at one point it was on Tubi TV or Tubi now. They call it Tubi, not Tubi TV. Um, it was on there at one point. I never did get a chance to watch it. And it's not there now, at least not on the Canadian one. Um, and I don't know, it's one of those movies where I was like, I'll get to it eventually. You know, it never really stood out, but I was like, all right, well, one day, you know, I will get to it. I knew it was a trauma film, so I'm like, oh, with trauma, you know what you get, right? Like, it's bizarre. Um, bizarre is being nice because Bloodsucking Freaks is all sorts of fucking weird um i'm not gonna spoil anything for those of you who haven't seen it but for those of you who have uh that guillotine scene um that's the one part that got to me and i mean this movie is all sorts of fucking bizarre and i mean like right away when joe bob's doing his like countdown of like you know when he's listing off how many dead bodies and breasts and stuff like that and it's like 76 breasts and i'm like ooh, it's that kind of movie eh um but man that was fun it was fun it was it was the movie itself yes it was definitely a what the fuck am i watching kind of movie but um but i sat through the whole thing oh man i'm not gonna lie it was fun it was just it was I was seeing shit in this movie. I'm like, huh? How has this movie eluded me for so long? But um, but listening to Joe Bob and Chris Jericho talk about it was what was the real highlight of the movie. I definitely recommend it. Um, it's not for the weak. I'm not gonna lie. So if if you know if torture porn and that sort of shit, you know, I mean, keep in mind this is a movie from the 1970s. It's not as graphic as they make movies today but i mean it's up there <laughs> it's definitely up there i was like oh damn um but i mean i enjoyed it i thought it was a lot of fun um like i say here in canada we have both movies so the full marathon well from the first weekend anyways is there um can't say the same about the original marathon from 2018 we are down to one movie left folks here in Canada, tourist trap is all that is left. Um, it's really sad. It's a sad state of affairs when streaming, you know, streaming channels are like that. But I mean, it is what it is. Um, there are ways you can get that full season <clears throat> if you get my drift, and I think you do. Um, but 
a matter of fact, I will say the very first marathon from 2018, plus the dinners of death and the first Joe Bob Christmas special can be acquired in certain ways. That's all I will say. Um, (laughs) not supposed to promote that kind of stuff, but fuck it, whatever. Um, I don't know. I, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I've also, uh, this past weekend, spent a little bit of time gaming. I haven't done that in a while. Um, something caught my attention. A, a new game that was just released uh, April 23rd, I believe. A game called Cloudpunk. Which I know, yeah, it sounds like cyberpunk. Well, that's basically what it is. It's a cyberpunk game. Very Blade Runner-ish. Um, it's, I, the way I kind of looked at it is it's kind of like Death Stranding meets Blade Runner. You basically, you fly around a city and you're doing deliveries. And through the deliveries, the story itself unfolds. Uh, It's a very chill game. Very, very mild. Like, very, um... You you don't have to think hard. And it's not like, you know, like... It's not solving a lot of problems or anything like that. As a matter of fact, a lot of the dialogue is driven just based on the game itself. Um, It's about it. Uh... It's fun. It's a beautiful looking game. Beautiful looking game. The problem that I have is that my computer can't handle it. I have a bit of an outdated computer, so... (sighs) I've been watching a lot of people play it. Let's put it that way. Uh, Twitch has become my best friend for this game for now. Until I can either update my computer or get a new one. Um, Which is sad. Like That's the thing I hate about computers. Computers become obsolete literally the moment you take it out of the box. Like, ugh, it sucks. But it is what it is. Uh, I also have been playing a lot of Batman Arkham Origins again, which is easily my favorite of the Arkham series. I know blasphemy, right? Because it's the one everyone hates, but it's my favorite. I love it. I one of these days I may actually do a review of a video game on here, and it will be Arkham Origins uh, because there's a lot of horror elements in Arkham Origins. Not and not so much like Arkham Knight that takes place on Halloween and you're dealing with the Scarecrow, but anyways, I am babbling away here and it's time we move on to our shared podcast experience. It's the movie you guys chose, so I want to do this. Um, this review is going to be a little bit different because as much as I want to input about Scream, the whole thing with Scream is, is what can I say that hasn't already been said, right? So, uh, I have some things I've added to this and whatnot, so we're going to do the trailer timeout, um, and yeah, after the trailer, we're going to return for our shared podcast experience, reliving the mid-90s, and one of the most defining films of that era, and of the past like easily 30 40 years this is a this is a huge movie this movie did a lot for horror um so yeah trailer timeout and when we're back wes craven's 1996 smash hit scream back in a moment kids hello hello who is this tell me your name i'll tell you mine Uh, i don't think so What's that noise? Popcorn. You're making popcorn? Well, I'm getting ready to watch a video. Really? What? Just some scary movie. 
like scary movies. Uh huh. You never told me your name. Why do you want to know my name? I want to know who I'm looking at. Someone is playing a deadly game. It all began with a scream over 911. Someone who's seen one too many scary movies. Now he's taken his love of fear. Hello, hello, Sydney. One step too far. Do you like scary movies? What's the point? They're all the same. Some stupid killer stalking some big-breasted girl who can't act. She's always running up the stairs when she should be going out the front door. It's insulting. There are certain rules that one must abide by in order to successfully survive a scary movie. Number one, you can never have sex. Under any circumstances, say I'll be right back. Cause you won't be back. Get another beer. You want one? Yeah, sure. I'll be right back. Who did he make the rules? The police are always on track. If they watch prom night, they save time. He just kills by them. Don't answer the phone. Don't open the door. Don't try to hide. Someone is playing a deadly game. Someone who has seen way too many scary movies. Okay, so we're going to do our shared podcast experience now of Scream. But I know I never can just jump right into it. Uh, There is one thing I did want to say. Just a small note, uh, because during the opening of this uh, episode, you did hear some uh, like synth wave music playing in the background and whatnot. That music, it comes from the soundtrack for the uh, the game Cloudpunk, um, which I mentioned during the opening of this. Uh, but no, um, if you uh, buy the game through Steam, right now it's only a PC game. It is coming to PS4 and Xbox One and all that later. Uh, I think even Nintendo Switch is getting it, which is cool. But um, currently right now, it's just a PC game, and you uh, buy it through Steam, which is how I found out my computer does not handle games very well. Uh, (laughs) Well, I kind of already knew that, but I mean, I was hopeful that this game would work. No, it didn't. But anyways, um, the composer for the soundtrack is Harry Critchley, and uh, if you, you can order it as a bundle pack from Steam. You can get the game and the soundtrack, which is what I did, because like the music is fucking awesome. Um, anyways, I just wanted to mention that uh, for anyone who's interested, I seriously, I highly recommend checking out the game. But it, even at that, if you just want the soundtrack uh, through Steam, you can just buy the soundtrack on its own, and the music is absolutely wonderful, um, which is why I wanted to share it during this podcast. So I picked a few uh, of my favorite clips from the soundtrack and decided to add them into this week's episode, which wouldn't have happened last week had I recorded last week. So anyways, you get the point. It's time to move on to Scream, which was released December 20th, 1996. Um, So it was a Christmas time movie, even though it's not Christmassy. But hey, whatever. Uh, Directed by Wes Craven. Wes Craven. Who's Wes Craven? Who is this guy? I hear people mention him, but I have no clue who he is. Yeah, right. Whatever. 
Wes Craven gave us the Nightmare on Elm Street series. What a great series that is, too. He also gave us Last House on the Left, Swamp Thing, The Hills Have Eyes, Deadly Friend, Shocker, Vampire in Brooklyn, Cursed, The People Under the Stairs, yada, yada, yada. You know who Wes Craven is. I don't have to tell you this shit. However, the writer is not Wes Craven. The the writer... The writer was... Kevin Williamson and funny enough uh, the choose your own hell I gave you I know what you did last summer and scream and you guys picked well he wrote both he wrote scream and I know what you did last summer he also did other films like the faculty he did as a matter of fact I think he's done all four scream films um, teaching Mrs. Tingle that was a kind of a boring movie but I had to mention it whatever he also wrote Cursed. Uh, he worked on the following, the, the TV series, The Following, um, with Kevin Bacon. He was actually the creator for that. Worked on the Vampire Vampire Diaries. Uh, I never watched that, honestly. I know some people have told me I should, but it was not my thing. Uh, and he's currently, supposedly, rumor has it, he's working on Scream 5. So, as for Scream 5, I will quickly run this down in november of 2019 uh apparently there had been a rumor going around that scream 5 was being worked on but then it went dead nobody was talking about it and anyways in november uh reports came out that spyglass media who now owned the scream films were working on a sequel and as of March 2020, supposedly the the project was now moving forward. Uh, they got the directors from Ready or Not. Uh, Matt Bettinelli Olpin and Tyler Gillett are apparently directing this thing. Still unclear what Scream 5 will be about, if it's going to be a reboot if it's going to be a continuation uh it's also unknown as to whether the original three nev campbell courtney cox and david arquette would reprise their roles uh obviously as we all know this fucking virus dropped and everything went let's go on a shutdown for a month and a half or two months almost now whatever it's been nobody seems to know because we're all lost as to even what day it is but um yeah who knows what'll happen um it's been quiet since but um, for obvious reasons you know basically nowadays the news is one thing covid19 that's all we talk about um we don't talk about anything else uh even if anything else happens we don't talk about it because the media does not want us to think about anything else but this virus so do i have any more news about scream 5 no one's Fortunately, I don't. But that's where we stand right now. Getting back to the original Scream, though. Uh, the producers for Scream were the Weinsteins, Bob and Harvey. I stop there. I move forward. Cinematography by Mark Irwin. Mark Irwin worked on a lot of cool shit. He worked on Videodrome. He worked on Dead Zone. Uh, the Fly from 1986, and The Blob from 1988, so two really great remakes. Uh, he worked on Class of 1999, Robocop 2, Showdown in Little, Little Tokyo, I almost said Ludl, 
because uh, <laughs> little, 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 uh, but Showdown in Little Tokyo, New Nightmare, Vampire in Brooklyn, he's done a lot of shit, uh, 136 credits in total as a cinematographer, so he, he's, he's been around. Uh, the music, which you are listening to right now, is by Marco Beltrami. Who has done all four Scream films? He did the movies. Um, he did the movie Mimic, The Faculty, The Crow, Salvation, The Watcher, Resident Evil, Blade Two, Terminator Three, Hellboy, Underworld, Evolution, and the list goes on. He's done a lot too. Uh, again, 136 credits to his name. So it's both of them with 136 credits. Starring cast. Here is your starring cast, and I've made this very, very easy um, because most of these people we know. I don't have to run down every fucking movie they've ever done. You know, these people have done a lot, and they're very famous names. So it's basically I wrote one to two credits that they've done aside from this movie, this great movie, this great movie of Scream, uh, Nev Campbell as Sydney Prescott. You know her from Party of Five. Uh, David Arquette as Dewey Riley and Courtney Cox as Gail Weathers from Friends, obviously. But I also had to throw in she was in Masters of the Universe with Dolph Lundgren. Yes, she was. She was also in um, Bruce Springsteen's Dancing in the Dark music video from 1984, I think. Um, Skeet Ulrich as Billy Loomis. We can now see him on Riverdale. At least I think we still can. I don't know. I haven't watched it in a while. Uh, For all I know, it might be dead. But on the show, I mean, but um, I don't know. Someone hit me up. Is he still on Riverdale? I don't fucking know. <laughs> uh, Matthew Lillard as Stu Mocker. He was in 13 Ghosts, but he must be credited as being shaggy in the Scooby-Doo movies because the dude literally is shaggy. Uh, Rose McGowan as Tatum Riley. She was also in Phantoms and Planet Terror. Jamie Kennedy as Randy Meeks. He was also in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Most recently, though, he was in the movie Trick with Omar Epps and Tom Adkins. Drew Barrymore as Casey Becker. Where do we know Drew from? Oh, I don't know. Maybe Firestarter and E.T. Um, she also did Charlie's Angels and a shitload of other movies, too. But what was that? Uh, that 51st Date? She was in that one, I think, too. Um, is it that one? No. It was a wedding singer. Wedding singer she was in. And, and I never saw that movie. I know. How horrible of me. I didn't see an Adam Sandler movie. Didn't care for him that much. Joseph Whip as Sheriff Burke. He was also in Nightmare on Elm Street. And for those of you who remember this movie, The Disorderlies with... Da, 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 the Fat Boys. Uh, w. Earl Brown as Kenny. Kenny is our... Um, He's the uh, cameraman for Gail Weathers. Uh, he dies. He dies. Most of these people die in these movies, but um, whatever. Leah Schreiber as or Schreiber, I think it's Schreiber actually as Cotton Weary, and he was also in the movie Phantoms. He was also in that really, really not so good X Men movie, X Men Origins Wolverine. He was actually okay in that movie though. Him and Hugh Jackman were all right. It was just the rest of the movie wasn't that really that good. I will watch it, though. I, I will say that. Um, I don't mind it, but I can admit it's not a good movie. Um, Henry Winkler as 
Principal Hembry. And where do we know Henry Winkler from? I don't know. Happy Days, maybe? Um, Kevin Patrick Walls as Steve Orth. He's uh, Casey Becker's boyfriend who gets gutted. Lawrence Hecht as Neil Prescott, Sydney's father. And believe it or not, he didn't do a whole lot. Uh, this was about his only movie. He did one recently, I think in like 2014. That was it. Uh, C.W. Morgan as Hank Loomis, Billy's father. Roger L. Jackson as Ghostface. He was the voice, the voice only. Um, really cool thing about him. So when he did all the phone calls and stuff in the movies, he actually did call into those phones and the rest of the, like the rest of the cast were not informed as to what he would be saying on the phone. Like they had no clue what he would actually be saying. So a lot of that is ad-libbed, but also their reactions are real. Like they really were at times terrified because they were like, what the fuck is he going to say next? So like, it was kind of cool, like, especially, um, you know, like the, the one part where, um, when Drew Barrymore, Casey Becker says, you know, like, why do you need to know my name? And he's like, I want to know who I'm looking at. And like, she had no clue that was coming. And like, it just like freaked her out. Cause it was like, holy shit. Like, could you imagine if that happened in real life? Like someone being like, well, I want to know your name. Cause I want to know who I'm looking at. And it's like, Ooh, what the fuck? Um, finally, uh, last two credits, Linda Blair as the reporter, she was uncredited in this, but she did have a cameo role and Linda Blair, obviously the exorcist, uh, and Savage streets and Wes Craven plays Fred, the janitor. Um, you, and obviously, you know, I had the Freddy sweater on and the hat and stuff like that. Yeah, so it's a nice little throwback to Nightmare on Elm Street. The movie, the runtime is one hour and 51 minutes. Rated R for strong graphic horror, violence, and gore, and for language. Uh, no nudity, uh, as Joe Bob would say, zero breasts. Um, Budget was fourteen to fifteen million estimated. Uh, opening weekend, it made six point three five million, and the gross profit overall was one hundred and seventy three million worldwide. Not fucking bad. And now on to the synopsis of this film. Sydney Prescott has a lot on her plate. It's hard enough to be a teenager coming of age in today's world let alone have a boyfriend with raging hormones, a father whose life is one business trip after another, and still feel healthy when your mother was brutally murdered one year ago. Just when things seem to be getting back to normal for Sydney and her friends, the small town of Woodsboro is once again plagued by a killer. Someone who is taking their love of scary movies one step too far. To survive, they must follow the golden movie rules. Don't answer the door. Don't leave the house. Don't answer the phone. But most of all, don't scream. Directed by suspense master Wes Craven, the psychological thriller Scream will leave you breathless. Okay, thanks for that, Mr. Ghostface Killer. Um, which is actually me with a voice mod, but, you know. Yeah, it was really cool. I found this program online that I could download... And it would change my voice to sound like the ghost face killer from Scream. Oh, my God. It was kind of cool. So I've been playing around with that while I've been recording this. and Whatever. Notes from Woodsboro. That's what we're calling it this week. Originally, this movie was called Scary Movie. 
obviously we know scary movie is not anything like this. It's parody. It's goofy. I will admit I do like the first two scary movies. Um, but everything, I don't know. As they got on, they got really, really stupid. More stupid than they already were. But, um, and I mean, obviously we know in the sequels of the Scream movie, you know, the, the movie within the movie was called Stab. Would have been kind of cool if it was scary movie. But again, that became a, you know, a parody and whatnot. Kind of like Hot Shots and Naked Gun and all that sort of stuff. So whatever. Uh, but Scream originally, when they were filming it, was called Scary Movie. Um, I mean, okay, here, here's my thing with this. And I, I already kind of commented about it. This is an iconic film. Um this was a game changer at the time it was released. So it seems really weird me reviewing a movie that has already had so much said about it. Uh, it's adored and respected by so many fans of the genre. And that's, that's one thing that's... There are your naysayers out there. There are people that this movie did not work for. And I get that. But it, very far and few between. Like Whenever you bring up Scream, especially the first one. The sequels, they have their their fans and their, you know, the people that absolutely hate the goddamn movies. But um, when it comes to the first one, you know, this, this there's not many people that will tell you that Scream sucks. Um, I mean, and not to mention, like, this movie has one of the coolest opening scenes in any horror movie. Like... Right off the bat, it lets you know it's self-aware of itself. Like, it knows what it is. It knows what it's going to be doing and whatnot. But at the same time, like... Okay, let me put it to you this way. Instead of trying to, you know, talk about all the good things about the opening of this movie, I'll talk about the one thing that I've always complained about. (laughs) Which, I get it. It's to set up the movie and whatnot. But why not hang up the phone right away? Like, here's my thing. When I, if not that I answer my phone very often because the damn thing never rings, but when it does, if it's the wrong number, I say, you got the wrong number and I hang up. Where in this, it's like she continued the conversation before getting the hint to hang up. And then by this point, it's already too late. They're like full, full on going with this. Now I get it. Obviously they're going to continue to call her over and over and over again and harass her and whatnot. But it just seems like, for me, it was kind of like like when you're watching this movie, it's like, okay, you know it's the wrong number right from the voice. So just say, you have the wrong number and hang up. But, I mean, again, if that happens, we don't have this movie, and I get it. The other thing that kind of makes me laugh is when they're like, well, what's that noise? And she's like, I'm making popcorn. I'd be, me personally, but then again, I have trust issues, but I'd be like, what's it any of your fucking business? But, <laughs> I don't know. Whatever, you know, different era, obviously. This is the 90s, you know. We still had portable phones and not cell phones. We still had landlines. A lot of, I mean, there's people that still have a landline these days, but it's not as common. Everyone has mobile phones these days, and even that, I don't even know that you can call these damn things phones anymore, but, you know, there are people that do use them as phones. But, um, I don't know. I guess Casey Becker didn't have trust issues like I do, so, you know. Um, me, I definitely, I don't know. Maybe that's one of those things where it's like a character I don't relate to in the movie. I don't know. Um, 
I will say though, when her boyfriend gets gutted, um, it's awesome. <laughs> uh, you know, the, the asshole in me that loves these horror movies. And I'm like, Oh man, that went too fast though. Um, however, I guess there's an alternate cut of the movie where we actually see more of it. Um, I haven't seen this version of it, but apparently it goes on a little bit longer and you do see his guts like kind of like falling out and stuff like that. So that's pretty cool. Um, you know, and then we, we finally meet our mass killer, you know, the ghost face killer or whatnot. And we see Casey's grisly death. And then finally we're off to the races with our story, our story of horny teens, a dim-witted cop, an annoying reporter, um, and a tragic story of love, betrayal, cheating, and death. And I might also add about the annoying reporter. Um, so as I was, when I was younger, uh, you know, I thought Courtney Cox was attractive, but I wasn't like, you know, I didn't think she was like super, super hot. It's funny. I, I don't know. As, as I get older and I watch this movie, um, it, it's weird. The reporter gets hotter every time I watch it. I don't know why. It's one of those weird things with me. Um, I, obviously with the Scream movies, one of the most it's something that has been pointed out time and time again. Like I said, this is going to be a weird doing a review of a movie that everyone has already talked about. But the fact that they are aware of the typical tropes in horror films really was a game changer for this movie. Because at the time this came out, slashers had pretty much fizzled away for a bit. Um, you know, slashers pretty much died off the very tail end of the 80s. Going into the 90s, it wasn't so much the big thing i mean we had at this point you know blair witch had now brought found footage back to the the main screen and there was a lot of paranormal shit coming out and stuff like that um and then uh, 1992 dracula brought vampires back into the scene and then we had interview with the vampire queen of the damned and all those other movies so slashers weren't the focal point of horror movies anymore and then scream comes out and not only does Scream bring slashers back to the screen, but it also makes fun of all those tropes that we came to know and ridicule and love in the 80s. You know, and makes fun of the whole, like, I'll be back and stuff like that. But the way they did it very cleverly, and it's funny because we are this person, Randy. Randy's character is the interesting one in this movie, played by Jamie Kennedy, he literally is us, us podcasters, us horror nerds, us. He is that guy, or in some cases, that girl. There are many females that are into the horror genre. We know the rules. We live the movies. We love the VHS tapes and the DVDs, the Blu-rays. You know, some of us even have laser discs and beta tapes. But I mean, the thing is, is that Randy was us. He analyzes the shit out of these movies. He knows the rules. He's watched his favorites over and over and over again. Randy is us. As much as, we, okay, maybe not all of us want to be that nerdy or that geeky or whatever you want to, you know, we're, we'd like to think we're a bit cooler than him. But, I mean, he's us. Uh, and I mean, Wes Craven, uh, gave him the role, gave Jamie Kennedy the role because Randy 
like Jamie Kennedy, when he did the character of Randy, he improvised a lot of his lines. He ad-libbed a lot, but he kept making Wes Craven laugh. And Wes was right. Wes basically said, you know, I, I want this in the movie. We need some levity to this film. So Randy's going to be our, our you know, our, our comic relief. At the same time, though, he... Like, again, like I said, like even myself, like being a podcaster of, of horror movies, and I am Randy. I'm that guy that researches this shit and loves to know all the shit behind these movies and whatnot. So it's it's kind of funny that Scream also brought to light the fact that horror movie nerds or just horror movie fans. Well, why do we got to be nerds, really, when you think about it? But we know our shit. We we live and breathe this stuff, and that's basically his character. And that was re- that. That's really an awesome point to the Scream movies. Uh, looking at the other characters, I mean, obviously Sydney is our final. She's our final girl, right? She, but but breaks all the rules. You know, she has sex in the movie. She she's not the 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 perfect virginal, you know, I do no wrong kind of person. No, she she's just as normal as anyone else. And yet she survives to see, you know, another th- three movies. But um but it again, breaking the rules of the horror tropes, right? Um Tatum played by Rose McGowan. Uh when I was younger, that was my crush. <laughs> she was the one that um, I was like, oh, she's hot. But, you know, as I got older, I'm now I'm a Gail Weathers kind of guy now. I don't know. Yet I hate the media. Like, I hate mainstream media. But for some reason, this reporter works okay for me. I don't know. Anyways, I'm focusing too much on that shit. Let's not move on. Um, Oh, actually, interesting. I might as well keep going with the Courtney Cox bit, but not because I have a crush on her. But um, so when she, um, like the character of Tatum was the character that Courtney Cox apparently wanted to play, I guess, or something like that. Um, Or no, they wanted her to play that role, but she was interested in playing a more bitchy character. Uh, because at the time, Friends was the big thing, and everyone knew her from Friends, and she was like, I want to do something that offsets that character. I want to do something that's different. So she wanted the character of Gail Weathers, because Gail was a bitch. Gail was you know, the character that you're not really supposed to like, at least not until near the end of the movie and whatnot. Um, so she kept pushing for the studio and pushing for West to let her play Gail Weathers. And eventually she got it and good for her because it's true. Like she was doing friends at the time, which was a completely different character. And so being able to offset that, that's awesome. Uh, David Arquette is uh, Dewey deputy Dewey. Um, he's fun in this movie. Uh, to be fair, his character, um, his character all around is just like kind of goofy and whatnot. It's kind of weird because Randy is like the comic relief, but at the same time, so is Deputy Dewey. Um, so it's all good. Um, I guess, however, when they the, like the script itself had that uh, Dewey was supposed to be like, you know, like a hunk. He was supposed to be like a hot like cop and whatnot. And David Arquette apparently was supposed to be Billy first instead of Skeet Ulrich, but uh, he wanted to play Dewey instead and wanted to, 
bring a more comedic feel to it. He was more bumbling, you know, klutzy, whatnot. Um, but imagine had it been done differently, you know, had had Dewey been like, you know, the tough, like, I'm I'm Mr. Police Officer, like I'm Mr. Tough Guy. Like it would have been a very different movie. I'm kind of glad they went the route they did with him. Uh, I spoke about Sidney, uh, Nev Campbell, but however, Nev was not the first choice for that role. Uh, Drew Barrymore was. So it's funny how this all got moved around and how the pieces all moved around because Drew Barrymore was actually supposed to be the star role. Can you imagine four movies of Scream with Drew as, you know, your lead? Um, the thing was, was Drew felt that if she played Casey, who was basically our first death, well, second death, because Steve dies first, but um, it it would really throw the audience off to all of a sudden have like this really big name actress be the first death in the movie. Um which is kind of cool, but that's why she, so she wanted the, she actually wanted the role of Casey. She didn't want to play Sydney. Um, and Wes went along with it and kudos to him because it does work very well. I remember when the movie, you know, was in the theaters and I knew Drew Barrymore was in it. Never expected Drew Barrymore to be, you know, dead within the first 15 minutes of the movie and here her character dies. It's like, whoa. Uh, all bets are off with this fucking movie, eh? Like, um, and I guess, so this kind of pissed me off, but I, I guess directors will do weird shit, right? So we've all seen the opening of Scream. Drew Barrymore looks like she's scared out of her fucking mind. Well, the reason why? So Wes Craven, apparently very Stanley Kubrickish of him. To do this, but he would tell her real life stories of animal cruelty. Not that he he wasn't cruel to animals, but he would tell her about these like real real life stories. And because she's a huge animal lover, it would bring her to tears. And then they would start filming. That's fucking br- that's mean. That's just cold. But it worked, you know. Um Here's something to ponder your mind on. So the role of Billy Loomis that was played by Skeet Ulrich did a great job with it. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix was actually the one that Wes wanted for that role. Uh, (laughs) Okay, look, Joaquin Phoenix is an amazing actor. Don't get me wrong. I've loved a lot of the movies he's been in. But I'm really glad we got Skeet Ulrich for Billy. Um, Because, I don't know, it just, it would have been a different movie. But then again, maybe it would have been better. Maybe it wouldn't, it wouldn't have been. But I'm kind of glad we went with Skeet Ulrich on this. Um, However, I will say this, uh, Stu Mocker, there's only one man that could play that role. And it was Matthew Lillard. Thank God for that. Because uh, this movie would not have been the same without him. Um, that goes for the Scooby-Doo movies as well. Uh, there is no one that plays Shaggy like Matthew Lillard. <laughs> uh, moving past the cast now. Uh, so we're going to get into like the sets, the music, the effects. The movie is shot very nicely. Uh, it has a great pace. Very fast pace. Very. Uh, there's no no points in the movie where it feels like it's lulling down or you know slowing down or anything like that. I mean... As with every movie, 
there is a slowdown period. I'm not going to say that there isn't, but it never feels like it. You know what I mean? Like it, it seems like everything hits point for point, moves on to the next scene. Uh, the music, whew, iconic as fuck. That's what I have to say about that. Um, Cause I mean like, Okay, whether or not you know the titles, you know the themes. Like Sydney's Lament and Trouble at Woodsboro are two of the most famous themes to come from the Scream movies. And even, like I said, like you don't have to know the titles of the themes. You know it to hear it. Um, and Marco Beltrami did an amazing job with this score. Uh, as a matter of fact, it was one of his first scores, too. Like he hadn't, I think he had done like minor stuff before getting this and then after that he like he just went to town um i think the well he did no he did he did the crow salvation he didn't do he didn't do the first crow first crow was elliot goldenthal i believe so um so yeah like when you think about scream was one of his one of his very first um as for what uh, what else does Scream do? And again, this is something that has been made mention of many, many times. Uh, the idea of the um, the nods and the acknowledgments of movies that came before, what what whether it be like you know um, Psycho, Exorcist, Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween, Friday the Thirteenth. There's a lot of different references, um, especially to the slasher films. Um, I mean, even there's the, the point when like, you know, Billy is talking to, uh, Sydney and says, you know, I was watching the exorcist and of course who's in the movie, Linda Blair has, uh, a minor cameo as a reporter. Um, it, when Tatum says Wes Carpenter, uh, that it, it tears my soul apart, but I get it. It was meant as a nod to both Wes Craven and John Carpenter. Uh, but when she says it, it's like, Oh. I cringe. It's like, no, it's Wes Craven and John Carpenter. But I get it. It was meant to be a nod. Um, You know, there's even at one point they use the song Don't Fear the Reaper, which was uh, made famous in Halloween. Uh, Granted, it's a remake of the song, but it's still it's it's a nod to Halloween. Um, I mean, not to mention the movie they're watching at the party at the end of the movie, uh, like at the end of Scream. (laughs) A movie within a movie is—it's fucking weird. But um, you know the the party they're watching Halloween, you know, and there's just there's a lot of cute little nods like that, and I think it's awesome. Well, Wes Craven dressed up as Fred the Janitor is a reference to A Nightmare on Elm Street. So, uh, moving past that though, into the effects, the effects are really decent for this film. Um, the blood at the end of the movie—this is the part that made me giggle. Uh, is actually corn syrup dyed red. Like, you know, Billy had said, you know, when they made Psycho, oh, they use corn syrup. Well, in this movie, they use corn syrup. Like, talk about going with what you basically say. Like, you know, practice what you preach. You talk about corn syrup, so let's use corn syrup. Um, And then, of course, okay. So I have to talk about this just quickly. There is the idea, the theme of violence on screen leading to copycats. And it's interesting how Scream did have its own controversy after its release. So a a few moments in history where, you know, 
can Scream be blamed for these things happening and whatnot? January of 98, there was the Padilla Ramirez case where the two cousins killed uh, Mario Padilla's mother, Gina, claiming to have been inspired by Scream 1 and 2. Um, May 4th, 1999, the Columbine High School Massacre and the increasing news and the media reports on the effects of violence in film, like violence in film, uh, games, and other media on society. Uh, the U.S. Senate Commerce Committee held a hearing about Hollywood's marketing of films to youth, uh, and Scream was brought up. The opening uh, scene of Scream, as a matter of fact, with Drew Barrymore's character, was shown to the committee. Uh, and of course they tried to capitalize on that and say, see, this is what is leading to our youth, you know, killing each other. And then there was also, where did I read it? June 3rd, 2002. Uh, there was, um, a 17 year old boy. He lured a 15 year old girl out of her house. Um, Alice Beaupere, I believe her name was. And anyways, he stabbed her 42 times while wearing a ghost face mask. Um, I have that mask. I've never felt like killing anyone while wearing it, but I, again, you know, 17 years old, 15 years old, you know, teenagers and whatnot. But this, this is always going to come up. Um, and I've talked about it before on the podcast, what with video games, what with music and movies and whatnot, uh, books, the arts will always unfortunately have that, um, that stigma, I guess, over their head that they inspire violence in society and whatnot. I don't necessarily believe it. I've always said that a lot of horror, horror movie fans and book fans and whatnot will tell you we use this as a form of escape we don't like reality um if you're talking 2020 reality sucks right now and i'd much rather just bury myself in horror movies where it's fantasy i know that at the end of the movie it's over it's done i can go back to living an even shittier life in 2020 i'm not gonna lie i've already said it you know, if people think that the beginning of 2020 was bad, wait till the end. Oh, you know, November and December are just sitting there going, hey, you ain't seen nothing yet. Um, that's what a year. What a fucked up year. But anyways, um, the thing is, is that in terms of violence and violence in movies and, you know, its effect on society, these were obviously very isolated incidents. It does happen, I guess, but... I, I've always felt there's a, de a more deep rooted problem than a movie inspiring death and murder. In my, in my opinion, that's how I feel about it. I, I don't want to go on too long about it, especially being I'm one person talking about this. This would be a great debate though, for like a panel of people and whatnot. But if I'm going to continue on, I would do have to go to the receptions of the film. And I've kind of already said it like this movie's iconic. Like, you know, um, it does. It Here's a cool thing. So scream ranks number 32 on entertainment weekly's list of the, uh, 50 best high school movies. It's pretty good. Um, there's a lot of high school movies out there too, you know, and scream ranks number 32. So that's not bad. Uh, British magazine empire, 
Uh, They did a a rundown of the top 500 greatest films of all time. Scream is at 482. Uh, Considering that's all genres and, you know, obviously they're going to focus a lot on Oscar winners and whatnot. The fact that Scream is even listed in the top 500 is kind of cool. Here's something surprising. Roger Ebert. I always talk about Ebert. I don't know why. I don't know why I've picked Ebert and Siskel and Ebert to always talk about, but I do. Um, he gave the film a positive review. Three out of four stars. Woo, that's not bad. Um, he really appreciated the, uh, quote unquote, the in-jokes and the self-aware characters. Uh, I mean, okay, granted, he... He, he did knock a point off of it because he said he was a little confused over whether the level of violence was diffused by the ironic way the film uses it and comments on it. Well, okay, whatever. Again, he, it's Roger Ebert, right? He's going, he's going to find something wrong with the movie, but whatever. Uh, still three out of four. You're talking 75%. That's pretty damn good. Um, Variety magazine said that it, um, Scream was apparently one experiment that needed more lab time. And I, I think about like everything going on in the world today and how we're trying to find a vaccine and shit. So I thought it was kind of funny that it was mentioning lab time. I'm like, all right, whatever. Um, however, though, Variety magazine did compliment the strong ensemble cast and they actually singled out uh, Nev Campbell and Skeet Ulrich as uh, being charismatic. So that's kind of cool. Like I said, it, Joaquin Phoenix as Billy may have worked, but I'm glad we went with Skeet instead. Uh, on IMDb, this movie stands at a 7.2 out of 10, with 7 being the most common rating. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes has it at a 79% fresh approval rating, with an average rating of 7 out of 10. Not bad. Uh, Metacritic is holding it at a steady 65 out of 100. That was kind of shocking because everything seems like it's hovered around 7 to 75%, you know, in that area. And that's 65 on Metacritic, but whatever. It's not bad. Not bad. 88% of Google users like this film. Now, Podcast Zero rating. So here's my rundown of this of this movie, and I had a bit to say about it. So anyways, after the barrage of slasher films in the 80s, despite some of us loving the, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street series and the Friday the 13th series, and I don't care, I, I'm saying this now, I don't give a shit if you don't like Jason Takes Manhattan or not, the movie is amazing kiss my ass because uh, <laughs> i love it um but it did seem like the genre had kind of washed away a bit 1996 rolls around and here comes scream a great cast uh cool twist killing off a big name like drew barrymore right in the beginning of the movie um uh, and making the movie self-aware uh was definitely a nice and much needed uh you know, it was a freshener to a room of slashers that had basically become as rank as the dead body count total that it had overflowed out of the pot. Um, in other words, slashers were so overdone by this point that it was nice to see something done differently in them. Um, the music is phenomenal. I've already said that. The kills, I'm not going to lie. They're quite creative. 
it was nice to see some creativity put into these uh, the, the kill scenes. Uh, honestly, though, did Tatum really think she was going to fit through that doggy door in the garage? As much as this movie was self-aware and tried to avoid the horror tropes, they still made the blonde the dumb one um, because there was no way she was fitting through that doggy door. But whatever. The twist at the end, uh, two killers working together, uh, you know, and their their reasons behind it, uh, the ties that bind the whole thing together. Uh, maybe it's not a perfect story, but it was definitely entertaining as fuck, as I called it, because uh, it, this is an entertaining movie and it has rewatchability. It has that rewatch factor. Um, solid, funny, fresh, uh, a cool mask. And like I've said, I own one myself. Like, I I love the mask in this movie. Uh, VHS, DVD, Blue, Shutter. Doesn't matter which format. I will watch this one I'll, I'll, time and time again. I will watch it over and over. Technically, um, on a technical level, it's a nice solid 7. Um, definitely. I see all the ratings that were in the, you know, the 7 to 7.5 percent range and whatnot i i definitely feel it but as a fan i go a little bit higher i say it's a nine it's a nine as a fan so based on the law of averages the podcast rating podcast zero rating for this movie stands at a solid eight out of ten i do go that extra level higher for this it is an eight out of ten for me it is a fucking amazing movie i absolutely love it and uh I want to thank everyone for picking it in the uh, Choose Your Own Hell uh, poll. And on that note, thank you for listening. Uh, And thank you for being patient. I know it took me a bit to uh, get around to this, but thank you so much for um, being patient and tuning in this week for this. Um, I want to quickly just run through the social media and whatnot. Because uh, I do have a few recommendations I want to put at the end of this. So where to find the show? Apple Podcasts, um, Google, Spotify, CastBox, FM Player. It, there's so many now. Um, I think Podbean is one of the few that doesn't have the podcast yet. Um, or, you know, you can just go to its home at the Next Level Network. Uh, thenextlevelnetwork.com slash podcast zero. Or whatlurksbehindpodcastzero.com. Uh, the email for the podcast is what lurks behind podcast zero at gmail.com on Facebook, 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 um, where we steal your information and we're a little transparent about it, but not completely. Um, <laughs> I'm an asshole this week, but, uh, yeah, facebook.com slash what lurks behind podcast zero. Um, I will never have a TikTok. I'm just saying that right now. Fuck TikTok. I don't understand what everyone's obsession with that thing is. I know it's all videos and whatnot, but you will never see me on there. Um, I, I, Twitter, I'm actually starting to like a little bit. Uh, Twitter, at WLB Podcast underscore zero. Been using it a lot lately. Um, actually, as long as I stay away from the toxic shit on there, it's not horrible. It was kind of cool. Felissa Rose from Sleepaway Camp, she actually uh, tweeted me back for a comment I made about Shockstock last year. So that was kind of cool. I, I It was one moment, but hey, Felissa Rose acknowledged me. Woohoo! Um, I'm also on Instagram, Instagram at what lurks behind podcast zero. And now, okay, so Lurker's recommendation. 
the lurker's recommendation is also next week's episode or next episode i should say although i am going to try to get it out for next week um it's an independent film uh done by joe bagos who also did the movie bliss which i have recommended on this podcast as well i do like his movies um recently a movie vfw made its way to blu-ray and that is my next episode as well as the lurkers recommendation on top of that recommendation i also want to recommend and you're it's a little strange hold on Ghost in the Shell, SAC 2045. It's on Netflix, and I'm going to warn you now. The first three to four episodes, get past them. Uh, Watch them because you need them, but get past them. Around episode five, it gets good. It gets really good, actually. Um, I was really impressed because of the slow start. I was a little turned off by it. And the animation is that 3D CG animation. Yeah, it takes a bit to get used to. By episode five, the animation no longer bothers you and the story gets really good. So I recommend that as well. Um, One thing I will say to avoid, like the plague, is a documentary called Enter the Anime. It's also on Netflix. I got suckered thought oh hey they're gonna talk about the origins of anime it's gonna be kind of cool relive my youth you know when i used to watch you know speed racer and robotech and voltron and all that shit yeah no um i rated this documentary two out of ten it's shit uh avoid it like the plague and the reason i'm mentioning this is because after you watch ghost in the shell should you watch ghost in the shell uh it will come up as a like a recommended viewing don't watch it you're wasting your time. The only thing that's kind of cool about it are some of the shots from like Tokyo, Japan and whatnot. But the narrator for the documentary is annoying as fuck. And it's pretty bad when, you know, within the first five minutes of the documentary, they're like, it all began with Castlevania. Let that sink in for a moment. So avoid that one like the plague. But recommendations, VFW for sure. Watch it. Check it out. You'll really enjoy it, I think. And the Ghost in the Shell series on Netflix, like I say, it starts off slow and kind of weird. And the animation is a little off-putting at first, especially if you love the original, you know, standalone complex series. But it gets progressively better, and that's why I'm recommending it. So, and finally, I also want to give a shout out to a friend of mine, Colin, who is trying to start up his own uh, video podcast series and whatnot. Uh, on Facebook, if you look up Film Man Reviews, um, check him out. Give him a like. Give him, give him, show him some, show him some support. He's trying to get things going up and going, and I think he, you know, he he knows movies very well. I've talked with him several times about movies. He's very knowledgeable. So give him give him a shout out. Give him a, a like on Facebook and whatnot. And that is that. We're gonna end off the way that any scream episode should end with nick cave's red right hand um because i mean it just wouldn't be right if i didn't uh again cloud punk great game check it out on steam i've recommended a lot of shit on here (laughs) because i mean it's been a while since the last episode so thank you for tuning in i'm out now i'm gonna let nick cave end this episode off and um Uh, Hopefully in a week, if not two weeks for sure, uh, VFW will be the next episode. Ciao for now, kids. 
You'll see him in your head on the TV screen. Hey, buddy, I'm warning you to turn it on. He's a goat, he's a god, he's a man, he's a guru. You're one microscopic cog in his catastrophic plan, designed and directed by his red rag. 